0: are listening to the Spectral Skull Session, tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations, or swamp casts. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. You are driving down through the rural Everglade highways, where long stretches of swamp grass and cypress trees are broken by a vast fields of sugarcane. The radio gently lulls you with a mix of country and folk bluegrass. The solid yellow road lines are punctuated with reflective orange dots as you move to the passing zone. And then it hits you. A smell! A smell so strong that you can taste rotten eggs. A smell so thick that you can chew it with your teeth. A smell so fetid. You ask, is this death? Is this the end? And then in the middle of the road you see two glowing red dots. A hairy man. You swerve. You swerve back to avoid flying off into the swampy morass. Your breath catches. And releases as a still pounding heart in your ears slow. You've just encountered the skunk ape.
1: Welcome to our second episode of Spectral Skull Session. Today we are discussing North American Stinkfoots. These are furry hominids that are like Bigfoot, but they smell bad, hence the name Stinkfoot. This episode is our first foray into the field of cryptozoology, which is the study of hidden animals. These are animals that have not been accepted by science. Besides Bigfoot, other cryptozoological creatures, or cryptids, as they are more commonly called, include the Yeti, the Chupacabra, the Ozark Holler, the Mothman, the Congoese Monster, Mokele Mbembe, Sea Serpents, the Kraken, the Ness Monster and i want to note that some cryptids turn out to be real there were stories circulating in europe about a land crocodile in indonesia as early as 1840 but the komodo dragon wasn't officially acknowledged by european scientists until 1937. north america is home to at least two distinct families of cryptid hominids bigfoots and sasquashes as you may have guessed the stink feet belong to the bigfoot family As Chris and I are both going to discuss, there are some strong reasons for thinking that whatever the stinkfoots are, they're probably not non-human animals like gorillas. Chris, you're going to get us started by discussing some sightings of stink feet down in Florida.
0: Yes, absolutely, Dane. So, skunk ape, swamp cabbage man, swamp squatch, and Florida bigfoot, and as you said, swamp ape, are all terms used to describe this cryptid uh i prefer the term skunk ape uh, and that is because i think it's the most descriptive and accurate so the skunk ape is a, it's a regional iteration of the bigfoot right so we all know the classical bigfoot giant hairy tall man i believe at 10 to 12 feet in height is that correct Dane? or it can be as,
1: as short as eight feet, I've heard. Or,
0: or as eight feet, yeah. And, and whereas this, this skunk ape really at, gets at most tall is eight feet. So uh, an average male skunk ape, according to one uh, skunk ape researcher, stands between six and seven feet tall and weighs about 450 pounds, with the female being smaller at about 250 pounds. Uh, regardless both sexes are covered in like a thick reddish black hair like a, an orangutan or a gorilla and they but they stand upright on two legs okay so now you're probably like asking yourself well why scum cape?" well again i said most descriptive they stink quite very very horribly they smell and all of the uh Eyewitness accounts where people were able to get close enough to one of these, they describe this terrible odor, which could be rotting eggs, rotting garbage, methane, skunks, uh, generally in that vein of bad smell. Some of these researchers, and we'll get we'll get into the kind of level of research that's involved here with individuals who look into this in a moment but they, they give different reasons for the odor. Uh, some attribute it to habitat, and they feel that it's, quote, uh, that they live in dens that are, quote, filled with swamp gas and animal cadavers. Uh, others just think that they smell because they're in the wilds and they're dirty, and they don't take baths. But all of these sightings make uh, distinct reference to the smell, and aside for that, in the state of Florida, currently there have been 350 documented skunk ape sightings. So uh, I, I think that's enough for us to take this seriously. I think there's a real phenomenon happening here for us to dive into and talk about with that many people looking at it. Um, another really interesting thing about this is that in 1977... A state representative uh, was part of this movement. His name was Paul Nichols, and a bill was actually introduced into the legislature, and this would have made it illegal to, quote, possess, take, harm, or molest anthropoids or humanoid animals. And when asked about this, this representative, Paul Nichols, says, quote, I'd hate to see someone catch one and put it in a circus or in a zoo, right? Uh, This bill did not pass. It didn't really go anywhere. The discussion stopped, and it really wasn't tried again. But there were enough sightings in the 70s, and these do persist to today, it's important to note, but there was a rash of them in the 70s. Enough of this that the state legislature was concerned about the possibility that these endangered or rare anthropoids, right? These human-like creatures would be killed or, or harmed in some serious way. That sounds very thoughtful of them. Yeah. I mean, I think so. And, uh, you have to remember too, something really unique about Florida, particularly as you get further South in Florida is how recently it was settled okay so a lot of the development in florida has happened within the last 50 years and it may have really been settled within the last century or century so a lot of these communities are fairly new Uh, a lot of the encroachment on the everglades and on that unique habitat has happened really recently okay so if if we believe in this possibility that these creatures exist, then it would make sense that they would have been seen more recently as human activity really kicked up there in major ways in terms of development and the disruptions of habitats in the past 50 years or so.
1: But, um so... the 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 skunk ape would be a swamp ape would be getting pushed down to the bottom of florida by the humans or sort of getting trapped in some region of the everglades that's down in south florida
0: so you know that's a good question uh i'm actually going to talk to you in a moment here about this individual his name is dave shealy he's a self-proclaimed skunk ape researcher and he runs the Skunkate Research Center and really in the kind of the Everglades National Park and that preserve now is where a majority of these sightings are going on in the present day and so if we kind of track these things back uh, Palm Beach County for instance or if we look at uh, other cow- counties uh, throughout Florida what we see Is that these sightings were really happening more during times of intense development so I think you may be right there is that if these creatures were real uh, as those areas got developed out it kind of pushed these cryptids these animals into the central region if we maintain that these animals actually exist which they might also they might not and we'll get to that later as we run through possible different scenarios and explanations here of the skunkate Sounds good. So uh, Dave Sheely, I want to talk about Dave, and he's really the face of this thing. He's a self-proclaimed skunk ape researcher, and he runs uh, a skunk ape research center in Okahope, Florida. He claims that uh, first as a child, he saw the skunk ape, and for the rest of his life, he kind of devoted himself to this. And so he says, quote... It was walking across the swamp, and my brother spotted it first, but I couldn't see it over the grass. I wasn't tall enough. My brother picked me up, and I saw it about 100 yards away. We were just kids, but we'd heard about it and knew for sure what we were looking at. It looked like a man, but completely covered with hair. So Sheely runs this research center. He's done several documentaries, uh, published books, even on baiting the skunk ape. According to him, the skunk ape's most favorite food, or at least in terms of bait, is wetted lima beans. Wetted? Wetted, yes. I believe he soaks them in water. Dave Shuley makes a lot of claims about skunk apes, and I'm not entirely sure how he is able to or what evidence he has to make claims about their habitats or their dietary habits based on the evidence that he has at hand. And I I do think that is problematic. I'm not discounting the existence of skunk apes because as we know on the show, we offer exploratory arguments and we're not looking to say this is true or not true, but really the possibilities here But I think that there might be some overreach on his part. He also claims that there are seven to nine skunk apes currently living in the Everglades. So if he's, if he is correct in this and we presume that they're just kind of generally in that Southern Florida region, I think it would be safe to presume that these are an endangered species.
1: So is it seven individuals or seven different kinds?
0: individuals seven individual animals so they're all so this is i think a it might be a different species or a subspecies of bigfoot if we're taking this seriously but seven and nine skunk apes Uh, he's also it's important to note been called the jane goodall of skunk apes so he's got some street street cred here when it comes to skunk ape research he's hanging out with the skunk apes Again, I think it's a tough sell in terms of the evidence that's actually been collected and shown, and the sightings that he's claimed to have had, there's only a handful of them, like an incident or an instance where he videotaped a skunk ape, although it, that footage is quite questionable. In fact, it was shown on local re- regional news media uh, television, so local news stations and more or less seen as a joke because of how kind of hoaxy and silly it looked and it was also you know unfocused from a distance that kind of thing so we can't really prove anything conclusively here but that leaves room for him being correct right uh he might he might have it right and everyone else might have it wrong including you know local expert conservationists as well as the National Park Service who discounts skunk apes as a local myth or legend. So aside from Dave Sheeley here and later I want to talk about when we get into the possible explanations I think I want to talk a little bit more about him and maybe some issues that might be problematic with his evidence or at least things that might lead us to doubt his credibility but I want to jump into some of these sightings here so we have some sightings from some pretty credible people and in 1980 there uh, a palm beach county sheriff's deputy his name was marvin lewis said he and another deputy ernie milner shot something in 1974 and that was by lantana florida he said is it grunts and then it flees okay and then they found some mysterious hair on this barbed wire fence. You know, and then I have some other sightings here. Uh, these sightings were documented by Bob Davidson in the Imaloki Bulletin. So he says that a security guard whose name was Kerry Cantor shot a skunk ape, or claims to have shot a skunk ape, by a Wellington construction site where he was Working to keep people out of the construction site, as you may or may not know, people come in like steal things off of construction sites, just copper wiring or piping and other valuable materials. Right? The security guard says it quote It smelled like it had taken a bath in rotten eggs."
1: There's that sulfur smell again.
0: There's that sulfur smell, but I do want to I do want to indicate to you. So I lived in Florida for a while. About six years, and actually, in that specific region in that county, I lived in Wellington for a while. The groundwater in Florida, since it, at least in that region, since it was all swampland at one point in time, it is all just naturally sulfurous, right? Okay. So, natural wellspring could account for that smell in this specific region. So, I think that's just important to note. So, does all of South Florida just smell like rotten eggs? It's really when the water from the ground is kind of exposed to the air. It's not just always. So, the home I lived at and our property had a well, and the raw water from the well did smell like rotten eggs. And it had to be filtered through a pretty sophisticated system so that it would come out clear and not smelling like that. And we actually had this machine, it was called a sulfur gladiator that removed the sulfur from the water. Okay,, yeah. and swamps smell like sulfur too, right? yeah, absolutely yeah, there's a lot of well decay that's what happens in swamps things are decaying
1: okay, so there's a lot of raw material that could um, be causing this creature to smell like that.
0: well, that's true, yeah, right. it could just be the natural habitat picking that up, and then when people encounter it outside of the habitat, right, it has the smell about it okay and 1978 uh, someone, again, uh, in Lantana, says so saws a creature in his backyard at 5 a.m. His dogs barked. That alerted him to them. And that same year, some kids from Boca Raton reported to police seeing a creature that resembled skunk ape. In March 2014, the Smithsonian publishes a story about this. And then uh, another story from the Port Charlotte song, which I'm going to read. And so this is from the Gulf Coast. So it's important to note, too, this is not a coastal phenomenon. It just kind of pervades all of s- south to central Florida, right? That people are seeing these skunk apes. Uh, so I'm just going to read this story. It says one pleasant afternoon for a, a couple quickly turned to horror and encountered what they thought was a skunk ape. The couple was out rollerblading one January afternoon in the early 2000s when they saw what at first they thought was a large dog in all fours. The animal was digging in the dirt. Quote, we should have brought a lead to see if someone lost a dog. End quote, the witness said to his wife, according to a report from the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, BFRO. Quote, I would hate to see it get hit. As they approached what they thought was a lost dog, the dog lifted its head and stared at the couple for a few seconds before it started running towards them. Quote, it chased after us. The animal seemed to float, the witness wrote as he and his wife skated away. About a year later, the witness was jogging near the same area where he noticed a large, dark red blood stain in the road. There was a dead animal smell lingering in the area, according to the report. And then one other report that I read in the process of this research talked about a skunk ape uh, being spotted by a farmer picking up like a 110 pound pig. And i guess the the farmer startled the skunk ape and then it like hurled the pig and ran off so there's, there's lots of evidence or in terms of eyewitness reports certainly as it relates to the existence of this animal
1: in that first story you were telling us that the couple was chased by the bigfoot
0: yeah they believe they said they were being chased after the skunk ape it says Quote, it chased after us, seemed to float. I guess it was running very rapidly, would be my guess, to the point that it seemed to, like, seemed to be like over the ground. And he and his wife, they just skated away from this thing. And a year later, they found that uh, dark red blood stain, and there was a dead animal smell in that same spot.
1: I'm also confused. They're skating in Florida?
0: Yeah, probably like rollerblading.
1: Oh, they're rollerblading. Okay. Yeah. I was imagining ice skating.
0: Yeah, definitely not in Florida unless it was inside. Yeah. And I think that would be difficult for a skunk ape to obtain access to an ice rink.
1: Hard to get away.
0: Although certainly not impossible. Because on the spectral skull session, nothing is impossible. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so... I Do you have some theories as to uh, possible debunking theories as to how it might not be an actual skunk ape here? Do you believe that I should address those now or should we do that later?
1: I guess uh, are they particular to the skunk ape or are they just general reasons for doubting the Bigfoots? Because I think we've got reasons for doubting Bigfoot in general.
0: No, these are the all specific. So these are all very specific to the skunk ape. So these are yeah, all should, Florida specific.
1: Maybe we should talk more about that then.
0: Okay. So first of all, I want to talk about this Dave Sheely character. Uh, he was caught in 1987 with 30,000 pounds of marijuana. Okay. And hmm. he served three years Three years in federal prison in Alabama. Now, his detractors have pointed to this as a possible motivation for him to perpetrate hoaxes here. It would be hard for him to find work, and he's also clearly already engaged in criminal activity. Now, it's also important to note that it wasn't so long after that he returned to the, re- the, the region where the Skunk Ape uh, Center exists currently, and these Skunk Ape sightings are now, that a bunch of encounters started happening and Sheely was one that witnessed it but there's other people there were some tourists there was a local fire chief and given his history with that sticky is icky right that that stanky wanky he may in fact be the skunk ape himself okay right? so he would have motivation to do this and then, you know, if he's smoking some doobies and dressing like an ape, he's going to have that herbaceous aroma that people are pointing to as they have these encounters. Now, I don't think, though, that he can he could potentially account for all of these experiences that people are having. Maybe some. And I'm not saying that, you know, Dave Sheely is getting high as a kite and dressing like a gorilla and going around scaring people in order to make money through his research center, which is also important to point out. He charges about 15, dollars for an adult tour. And then he also uh, sells kitschy merchandise. And the, the Skunk Ape research center is kind of a tourist attraction. Some have pointed it to being a tourist trap in a way, this little small town in the Everglades where people come to camp. Okay. Okay. But, but he could be the skunk ape He could be that stank ape, right? Another thing that's important to note is that in Hendry County, and Hendry County is kind of in the center of all these sightings, is that there's this really super controversial monkey breeding industry. So there are all these centers that breed primates for research purposes. They import and sell them to universities and the military, There's the Mannheimer Foundation that has a large breeding facility. Prelabs is another company that has research interest in uh, a primate breeding center, Primera Science Center, Bioculture, a company based uh, in the African island of uh, Mauritius, and it has a breeding facility in Hendry County. And so some locals have pointed and said, look, there's all this... Primate breeding going on. Maybe some of these primates have just escaped Okay, and this also brings me to another known Fact and this is more in Central, Florida is that in Central, Florida, there's a problem. There are feral rhesus monk uh, rhesus macaque monkeys So feral rhesus macaque monkeys are roaming around Central, Florida, but Florida there was a private uh, Preserve park and to attract tourists. They introduced these monkeys, right? and then later it became publicly owned but now they have this monkey problem with this invasion this invasive species now it's important to note that these monkeys would not really fit the bill for a skunk ape particularly however it does demonstrate that apes could have been let loose in the wild and those apes could potentially survive in the wild right and another way that that could have happened over and above maybe monkeys escaping from research facilities is that the exotic pets. And so people have exotic pets. There's a actually a thriving exotic ape trade throughout the, uh, the world. And this is also highly illegal. And so sometimes people get pets and they can't take care of them. And they release them in the wild. Now, Dane... I live in Illinois now, and so if I decided I wanted a gorilla to keep in my basement illegally and then over time realized that I couldn't hold on to that gorilla and I let it go in the woods, naturally it would just die when it got cold outside, right? Right. Yeah, it would have no way to take care of itself. But if I was living in Florida and I was like, man, I could really go for a gorilla right now, and then I went online and got myself a gorilla somehow, and then I released it into the wild, well, guess what? Now there's just a gorilla wandering in the wild that has a very high probability of survival, right? Climate's appropriate, food's plentiful, and it could be a tang, too, like an orangutan. And so uh, this is a possibility to exist. And this is anecdotal, but I want to tell you the story because I think it... I lived in Florida for six years, and uh, during that time uh, where I was living, one day I was hanging outside with my kids and my now ex-wife and all of a sudden this tortoise roams up to us it's like comes right up to us it's like hey i'm a tortoise let's hang out and we're like it was like following us around and we're like this is really weird and then i'm gonna pet the tortoise and i was like is this an abandoned pet and so i looked it up and the tortoise was a spotted red-footed tortoise which is south american it was an invasive species very, very clearly had been a pet. It was acculturated to humans and this happened commonly. Okay. And so we found out it was legal to keep and we kept it for a while. Ultimately during breeding season, it broke out of this hog panel fencing enclosure that I had for it. And so soda, the tortoise left our family. My kids named it soda. And the reason I tell that story though, is that, uh, People get pets and they let them go and release them into the wild. And in a climate like Florida's, they can just thrive and survive. So I don't think it's too far fetched to think that maybe these are at least some of the sightings could just be like apes, a variety of apes that people have let go. Either they've escaped from these facilities or someone bought bought it as a pet illicitly and illegally. This is highly illegal. And then just kind of drove it out in the Everglades and was like, see you later, chim chim, enjoy your life. So it just demonstrates that such animals could just survive, right? That, that's my point here.
1: They're not going to form a sustainable population because they you're going to need a couple dozen at least to have a breeding population where you can sustain your numbers. But yeah, they could be running around for the, the rest of their life, you know, a couple years. I don't think it'd be yeah. very... It'd be a very lonely life wouldn't it to be a rogue gorilla or orangutan all alone in south florida
0: yeah i mean it, it's sad it's certainly sad to think about uh but you know tangs and gorillas live a, a fair amount of time and if they do survive and it's more than one person releasing these into the wild or they've escaped from the facilities we have a, a possible explanation Now, again, I'm not saying that any one of these things covers all of the sightings. It could be a variety of things, right? People could simply be mistaken about what they've seen, too. But we could conceivably account for some of these events with this explanation. Yeah. And then my last hypothesis here has to do with the Florida man. Now, Dane, are you familiar with the Florida man
1: Yeah, so Florida man is kind of, um, it's like a generic label we put on misbehaving Floridians, right?
0: Well, that are men. They Uh, have to be men.
1: Okay, that makes sense. That is the name, man.
0: Yeah, typically, Florida, and to pluralize this, we would not say Florida men. It would be Florida mans. So that's important to note as we kind of walk through this. Typically, a Florida man has a headline addressing some outrageously ridiculous thing that they've done that's usually very illegal as well and so the headline will start out florida man and then whatever the crime they did right so uh there have been various um explanations for this many in florida at least on an official level claim that really the people in Florida aren't crazy or doing worse things than elsewhere. It's that since Florida has these open record laws, the press can more easily obtain these stories, which they report. However, having lived in Florida, I'm, I'm not buying it. I, I think that something, something is going on there. It could be the heat. It could be something that water in the air, it, the culture, something is going on that causes people to misbehave in outrageous ways that a Maybe a much higher rate than elsewhere in the nation. And so I want to walk through some Florida men here just briefly, because my hypothesis is that maybe some of these people are being mistaken for skunk apes, right? So recently, and I'm just going to give a feel for what a Florida man is. Well, I'm going to say most recently. I'm going to track back to an incident that happened while I was living in Florida. It was actually happening in a community in which I had been living at the time. And so this young man, fairly young man, I believe he was 23 years old, named Joshua James, a uh, Florida man, he went through a Wendy's drive-thru. He ordered a drink. He got his drink. After getting his drink, he tossed a three-and-a-half-foot alligator through the Wendy's drive-thru window. He faced charges of aggravated assault and unlawful possession. And it, yeah, funny, no one was harmed, right? And then his family on the news are like, oh, Josh, he's such a cut up, blah, 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 blah. even though he committed some fairly serious crimes. No, he didn't. His penalties were actually not too harsh. But that's kind of, yeah. A- and the workers, right? He's, he threw a gator in there. That gator could have bitten one of the workers, right? So that's kind of classic Florida, man. That's pretty mild. Uh, more more recently i read a florida man story a florida man had scaled uh, vertically scaled a traffic signal and then shimmied his way out horizontally by the lights and proceeded to then defecate on oncoming traffic it was as it was passing under uh said traffic light and he was of course arrested for this and his basic charges currently right And and then lastly and maybe most extremely there was a few years back uh, a man who was high on flaca ate another man's face. So he just ate his face right up. So with people behaving in such ways, it, it, it would not surprise me if at least some of these sightings were potentially just Florida men. People acting in aberrant and bizarre ways. It's dark outside. The light's low. And the presumption is that it must be some kind of creature because what human being could possibly act like this? But, Dane, I just gave you three examples that beg the question. What human being could actually act like this? And yet, we have clear evidence of human beings acting in a way that is so outrageous that we would not think it's possible. Would you think that a man would scale a light traffic post and defecate on oncoming traffic?
1: You know, what it makes me think is that maybe some of these Florida men are actually swamp apes. Like well, in the skies. My... You know, it could be uh... that some of the swamp apes are, are people, like we're seeing people, right? And they were mistaking them for swamp apes, but it could go the other way. And some of these people, you know, they turn out they're not really people at all. They're actually like Big Feet of
0: some kind, right? <laughs> So, ah, it's an interesting point. Well, the 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 issue being, I don't I don't believe any of them were covered in hair,
1: nor except
0: they could have shaved them. I don't know. Uh, I think think that. I mean, I I guess that's possible, but I think that you know, if I encountered say we have someone who's acting this way in the midst of the night and their behavior is just absolutely aberrant think it be easily mistaken as something other than human right
1: a serious question would be can a person do you think people can really just kind of wander around the everglades for long periods of time because i thought i thought literally florida was all swamp like there's cities and then there's swamps yeah, between the cities but and this
0: this swamp isn't like one continuous um muck muck and I believe that... I'm trying to remember the name of the tribe. There was a tribe of... It might have been the Seminole Indians, but I, I could be completely off base with that. There was a tribe of Indians that were indigenous to the Everglades, and they would build, like, mounds and other earthworks in which they live. but they also would go out and forage and hunt in the surrounding communities. Because I thought I heard that when the Spanish tried
1: to colonize Florida they didn't have much success because they were having the same kinds of problems with Florida that the colonists the, the imperialists had with like Africa that it was hard to penetrate because people would get tropical diseases and the wildlife was so hostile you know there's all these poisonous snakes all over Florida right
0: so uh, of Native American tribes so I just quickly look this up is why well we're talking the Miccosukee tribe called the everglades homes for hundreds of years and i was right about the Seminole tribe they traced their uh, history back to that area so there are humans living in native american tribes specifically living in pre-modern civilization uh, environments within southern florida within the everglades and they were thriving by all accounts so it would be possible for a human to uh, exist and live and be healthy in this environment based on history, even if they had a kind of lower level of technology. All right, that's good to know. So, that's pretty much all that I have on the skunk ape. I know that you have a stinkfoot that you want to discuss this session.
1: Yes, yeah, Chris. Missouri has their own stinkfoot, and it's called Momo which is short for the Missouri Monster. Momo was first sighted a little north of St. Louis in Louisiana, Missouri, according to the Missouri Department of Conservation website. I kid you not, they have an entire section on um, the Momo. The Momo is reported to have a large pumpkin-shaped head with a furry body and hair covering the eyes. According to one website I found called Missouri Folklore, there's a story about the very first sighting in, uh, I think it was 1971. Joan Mills and Mary Ryan had taken Highway 79. Mills and Ryan had taken that highway back uh, towards St. Louis. They had been up in northern Missouri, and then they were coming home for the day. They were looking for a picturesque spot for a picnic. When they found a promising spot, they turned off on a dirt road. Put out a blanket, put out some food. We were eating lunch, Miss Ryan recalled, when we both wrinkled up our noses at the same time. I never smelled anything as bad in my life. Her friend suggested they were smelling a whole family of skunks. Suddenly her dr- jaw dropped and she pointed toward a bushy thicket behind her companion. I turned around and this thing was standing there in the thicket, Miss Mills said. The weeds were pretty high, and I just saw the top part of this creature. It was staring down at us. Ms. Ryan added, It was half ape and half man. I've been reading up on the abominable snowman since then, and from stories and articles, you get the idea that these things are more like gorillas. This thing was not like that at all. It had hair over the body as if it were an ape. Yet the face was definitely human. It was more like a very hairy human. Then it made a little gurgling sound, like someone trying to whistle underwater," Ms. Mills said. The hairy creature stepped out of the brush and proceeded to walk toward the young women, who dashed for their Volkswagen and locked the doors. The beast, continuing to gurgle, caressed the hood of the car and then, in a clear demonstration of intelligent behavior, tried to open the doors. It walked upright on two feet and its arms dangled way down, Ms. Ryan stated. The arms were partially covered with hair, but the hands and palms were hairless. We had plenty of time to see this. The women were terrified all the more so because Miss Mills had left her car keys in her purse, which she had abandoned outside in the flight to the safety of the automobile. Finally, Miss Mills said, My arm hit the horn, and the thing jumped straight up in the air and moved back. She kept on beeping the horn, and the creature withdrew to a safe distance then seemed to realize the noise was not dangerous. It then went back to where they had been picnicking, picked up their peanut butter sandwiches, and devoured them, each in one gulp. It started to pick up Joan's purse, dropped it, and then disappeared back into the woods. Joan Mills ran out of the car to retrieve her purse and returned to roar down the highway at 90 miles an hour. Once back in St. Louis, the two women reported the incident to the Missouri State Patrol. We'd have difficulty proving the experience occurred, Miss Mills wrote, but all you have to do is go into those hills to realize that an army of those things could live there
0: undetected.
1: So there's one of the first sightings of the Missouri monster.
0: So wait, I just want to hold on. So yeah. But it likes, it likes peanut butter, so it's not a carnivore?
1: No, apparently it'll eat anything, although we'll see there's later stories where it seems to have eaten a dog. So um, it seems so to be omnivorous.
0: Omnivorous. Okay, so that's important to note, too. And that would make sense. So if this is a hominid, if it's if it's like us, that it would both like peanut butter and then also meat. I can't say that I've ever tried dog meat, uh, but meat nonetheless. Sure. And so, yeah, definitely.
1: And it's similar to your swamp ape in that it smelled really bad. Like a whole family of skunks. Right, so that's that sulfur smell again, right? I assume skunks smell like sulfur.
0: You know, I don't know if I would say... So I grew grew up in a rural rural area and people would hit skunks on the road all the time. I would say there's probably... There's a difference between the smell of a skunk and sulfur, although they're both pretty awful. And the difference might actually be somewhat subtle because when something smells that bad... It's just hard as you approach the edge of the badness, it just kind of seems similar. It's just like, oh, this is so awful, right? So I I don't know. Just, I, I think they're distinct smells, but I could see someone saying that a skunk smelled like sulfur for sure. Okay. Yeah.
1: All right, well, here's another story. In fact, so interestingly, it was about a year later. That there was another sighting. And this one occurred during a flap of UFO sightings in northern Missouri. So it's in the same area, Louisiana. This Tuesday, July 11th, 1972, on the outskirts of Louisiana, Missouri, Terry Harrison, age eight, and his brother, Wally, age five, were playing in their yard, which sits at the foot of Marzolf Hill. The two boys had gone off by some old rabbit pens in the woods. Next to the Harrison property, suddenly their older sister, Doris, who was inside, heard them scream and looked out the bathroom window. She saw something standing by a tree, six or seven feet tall, black and hairy. It stood like a man, but it didn't look like one to me. The thing was flecked with blood, probably from the dead dog it carried under its arm. Its face could not be seen under the mass of hair covering it, and it seemed to be without a neck. The Harrison's dog got very sick shortly after the incident. Its eyes grew red and it vomited for hours afterwards, finally recovering after a meal of bread and milk. So in this story, I didn't hear anything about the smell, so we're kind of assuming that it's the same thing.
0: Now, uh, something that was interesting to me that you pointed to, and I saw this uh, with the rash of skunk apes dying in the greatest concentration in florida is that there had been a rash of ufo sightings there's like a decade with this rash of ufo sightings and then it kind of pivoted into not as many ufo sightings within these skunk ape sightings right so right. uh you know i kind of saw that as well uh at least that pattern in my research into that regional phenomenon
1: And i've heard that other cryptozoologists and uh, ufo researchers have both talked about there being some kind of correlation between uh, Bigfoots and UFOs,
0: it's and interesting. Do any of them offer an explanation for that correlation that you're aware of?
1: There's one. I don't know if we want to get into it on this episode, but um, the the only you know the the uh, the idea that Bigfoots are getting off of UFOs is now widely entertained. You know that, like maybe they're flying around and getting deposited. Nobody seems to think that's the case. Um, I've heard people say that it's possible this that, that UFOs are interdimensional vehicles. They're moving from one dimension to another. And when they move dimensions, they open up gateways that other things kind of move through too. So maybe the Bigfoot is like a wild animal in another dimension that's coming through gateways left by flying saucers.
0: That's so interesting. Another,
1: very far it, out. But I do yeah, want... I,
0: Oh, I was going to say, I, I and I, I don't want to get too much into the UFO phenomenon here. Yeah. Uh, but for, you know, new listeners and, and what we're talking about in this podcast and the way that we're approaching it, I would just want to mention that our federal government has recently disclosed the existence of UAFs, un- Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Um, is that...
1: Absolutely. Is that, unidentified uh,
0: Aerial Vehicles or UAVs yeah so uh, has disclosed our fed so what i want to point out to our audience here is people who are first joining our podcast is that our federal government has uh disclosed the existence of UAVs as unidentified aerial vehicles and so while we're not saying that these are aliens per se and or interdimensional vehicles these things exist nonetheless and if we take what our government says is true we know that there are things flying around there in the sky that we don't know what the hell they are, Absolutely. right? So we will get into that in a later episode, but again, they they exist. We just don't know what they are. And Dane, I'm going to turn it back to you. Yeah, the one
1: other thing I wanted to note about this story, Chris, about the dog's eyes getting red and it getting very sick. So that's something that's often reported by people who encounter... Both, you know, the Yeti or Bigfoot type creature and also UFOs. So, a common theme, it's not always there, but it happens quite frequently that people get, uh, like, they get, it's often called conjunctivitis. So, you know, there's like, it's like pink eye, it's non viral yeah. pink eye, like being exposed to radiation or something.
0: And apparently, yeah, it,
1: that's what happened to the dog.
0: And so we had this conversation as well. It's like conjunctivitis. People hear pink eye conjunctivitis. They think that means fecal matter in the eye yeah. or some kind of bacterial infection. This, what you're talking about is some eye irritation that is separate from that.
1: Yeah, it's just a, non, a non-infectious a non conjunctivitis. It's just, it looks exactly the same. It's just that it's not caused by infectious agent. It's usually caused by an irritation, a chemical or radiological irritant. Yeah, so the Momo doesn't appear to have reappeared in Louisiana again since 1972. But Bigfoot, like monsters, are sighted all over the state. The one internet source said that most of the reports are now coming from Sugar Creek and Independence areas near the Missouri River. And I found a whole bunch of stories from all around Missouri. They all come from the Gulf Coast Bigfoot Research Organization. And then I looked at the surrounding states, too, like Arkansas and Illinois. They have all kinds of Bigfoot sightings, too. It kind of looks like it's a national phenomenon. Just people are seeing Bigfoot-like creatures all over the place. However, I didn't see anything about them smelling. None of the stories I looked at in Missouri after 1972 talked about the smell. So it's possible Momo, if Momo is a swamp ape or something, that she's migrated maybe north, moved away. I don't know. Maybe went up to Canada or back down to Florida.
0: Yeah, or maybe uh, she got some hygiene lessons. That's also possible. Yeah, cleaned <laughs> up a little bit.
1: <laughs> so that's everything on the Momo. I think that the only other thing to talk about is, so, like, what's going on here? Do we Do we have any ideas about the bigger picture of these different creatures? And I guess, so one thought is, you know, like you said earlier, Chris, is it possible that they're they're just actual like hominids, right? Or um, I don't think that monkeys, like rhesus monkeys, are hominids, are they? I think they're um, primates. No, they're
0: not. Yeah, they are. Uh, my my point with that was I don't think anyone's gonna confuse a rhesus monkey with a skunk ape or a swamp ape, right? You know, it was diminutive in stature versus gigantic in stature my point with that is that these primates just can just exist in florida well, So if you had a larger primate that was set loose within florida it could conceivably survive right okay. yeah that was that was my point in introducing that it was just like this had happened exotic primates primates had been set loose in florida and it shows that they can not only survive but thrive and become a problem and as you pointed out yourself, it's like they had a larger breeding community to do so. Um, but on my account, I'm not necessarily seeing this gorilla, breeding populations of gorillas, are, but there could be isolated cases of large primates that got set loose and survived, and they've been witnessed, right? Yeah. And they're just kind of living out there by themselves in the Everglades, which is sad, but also might account for at least some of these sightings
1: like a highland gorilla silverback gorilla kind of thing could be loose
0: potentially yeah yeah and some orangutans yeah
1: Yeah, so that could definitely explain some of the phenomena. like could there just be some like cryptid it might not be descended from humans it might be like a neanderthal type creature
0: so i mean i just i would think that Humans would have had to have encountered it if it did exist. So, if we entertain the thought that it does exist in some way, there's this—it's it, going to have to, I think, have intelligence, right? Because it's going to have to have evaded detection. Um, if again we're evade, we're entertaining the thought that it does exist, right? Then, you know, how do we not know about it is Would it be smart enough to stay away from us this long, given the? prevalence of humanity and the way that we've engaged out out in the world well, one answer would be like well it actually hasn't people have seen it and that's why we're talking about it now uh the other might be that there's you know some kind of move to suppress the existence of these creatures right and so that would you know why why would that happen why would there be a move to suppress these creatures and i don't know if you have any thoughts on that i think i do um
1: well, like, I could see suppressing the existence of the creature only if they were intelligent. Why would that be? Well, because I was just not that. If they're just like animals, like like a rogue Neanderthal. Well, Neanderthals were actually like us, so that's not a great example to use. But if they're like a like another version of the mountain back gorilla or the silverback gorilla, just like a, a weird ape, then it's just a weird animal. Like it's not that big of a deal. If we were to find one, um, you know, if, if some of the stranger theories were true and they were like, you know, like flying saucer piloting, you know, furry men, then there's something to be freaked out about potentially.
0: Yeah, I, I would think as an intelligent hominid creatures running around, and of course, these sightings really began in the mid 20th century in the 1950s. Uh, That really would have challenged the status quo and the predominant thoughts, uh, particularly religious thoughts, related to the idea of man being created in God's image and our exceptionalism. And so I could have seen a move by the government at that time to keep this thing quiet and keep it hidden from the U.S. public for fear of uh, causing a panic or at least undermining the social order, right? People had these... Thoughts about the way the world is, and the 1950s was all about, you know, conformity. I, I think too that sometimes, again, if we're following, and I'm not saying I believe in the existence of big feet but uh, you know, the thing about decisions like that is that once they're made, they tend to be stay. They tend to be stay made for a very long period of time, and so we could just see like maintaining the status quo so maybe that could be an explanation i i I don't know maybe that's a bit of a stretch too
1: so we're sort of locked into this uh, dead hand foreign domestic policy of suppressing the truth about the apes because in the 1950s the government somebody made a judgment call that american people can't handle intelligent apes in north america so we have to keep it secret and then we're just living in the legacy of that
0: I mean I guess so, but you know, interesting now that you mention it, we did have Planet of the Apes, which were released in that same time period. Yeah. So they're gonna have been a potential prep move to get people <laughs> people prepared for the existence of intelligent apes. Yeah,
1: soft disclosure. And then it got called off. Yeah,
0: yeah maybe. I don't know. That's hey I again I don't I don't believe that, but I yeah. you hear that a lot with these UFO films and other things. It's just like a way that we've been prepped for the acceptance of the existence of the these phenomenon, right? Absolutely.
1: I guess my thought is that given how many people there are in North America, I think we would have found a corpse and that somebody would have just found an animal corpse at some point, a Bigfoot corpse, swamp foot corpse, and just put it on local TV uh, it just would have been too hard to avoid because um, you can get that kind of thing. A lot of people could see it before there's time for some guys, you know, to come from the local military base and cart it away. And even if they do, it would become kind of a legend, like a Roswell kind of event, you know. Um, so I'm inclined to think it's it would be just too hard
0: well, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think I would uh, largely agree with you there. But, you know, if we were maintaining the policy, the, the dead hand domestic policy here, uh, I would just think there would be some kind of reach that could kind of prevent that. And, and also, you know, there are YouTube videos. There's a proliferation of YouTube videos that show skunk apes and big feet and other things like this. It's just that they're all discounted as hoaxes. Right, and so actually, speaking of speaking of that skunk ape, right? uh, Dave Sheely had released a video footage of a skunk ape sighting, right? And I, I pointed to that earlier. Oh, really? And I kind of discounted that. I kind of discounted that as I saw it, but it could be real, right? And that would have been something that made it on a local, regional television show that then went to YouTube, and you can look that up right now, and. People just are like, okay, we don't believe this, right? So video footage or even someone having a corpse isn't going to prove anything, right? If it's all kind of taken away and discounted.
1: If it's taken away. And, yeah, so. There was an incident in 2008 when uh, some people claimed to have captured uh, a Bigfoot and they had it on ice. And they actually collected a $50,000 reward for having the corpse of a Bigfoot, right? But then when they melted the ice and started to do a forensic evaluation of this thing, they cut it open. It was just a rubber ape suit. And they had actually stuffed uh, like roadkill into it to like fill it out. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. this morbid you know, hoax. One of the guys involved actually lost his job. He was a police officer at the time. And he was fired from his force for being involved in it.
0: So, with that in mind, as we finish tonight's episode of the Spectral Skull Session, what do you think stink feet have to teach us about creation, Dane? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, That's why I asked you the question. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, man. I'll take a stab. I'll take a stab at it, right? So if we we, we look at stinking as kind of the primal hominid human aspect, <clears throat> is, it stinks and it's gross, but it's also vital and alive. Maybe that's a reminder of our own humanity and that part of our own humanity is the fact that we are biological organisms and animals with all the gross dark things that come with that the dark impulses to violence to lust to anger those things that make us stink right Mm. but along with that there's so much more and there's a beauty as well so maybe there's a lesson there as we contemplate the symbolism of the momo and the skunk ape sure Uh, so ends the second episode of the spectral skull session we thank you all for listening this evening and bearing with us as we pull this thing together and find ourselves dane do you want to end us with a final thought here
1: if you see the skunk apes you know give them something to eat and leave them alone
0: yeah good night stay weird everyone